From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Robert, thank you. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for downloading this latest podcast, listening to me for the next half hour or so. As always, appreciate the patronage and uh, quite a bit to get through here. Uh, and I'm, I should feel a lot better than I do. Mentally, I'm stoked. I'm psyched. Uh, because uh, after Friday, I'm going to have 10 straight days off. Uh, you want to be taking a week off after Memorial Day. It's going to be great. However, uh, I've been like battling all sorts of crap the last couple of days. And uh, it, if, if it hasn't been uh, work-related joint pain, it's been this nagging head cold. It hasn't been that. It's been a nagging stomach ache. Uh, but I am probably right now about 85% fine. Aside from the fact that I'm recording this, you know, late Sunday into early Monday, and I still have a very long ass week of work ahead of me, but you know, I still make time for the podcast as always. All right, this is a very bittersweet uh, R.I.P. Um, this is this guy is a legend. Uh, that being Jim Brown, uh, just a phenomenal, fantastic NFL player. Running back for the Cleveland Browns for so many years. He uh, died at the age of 87. Let me tell you how good Jim Brown was. When he played, the Browns actually won a championship. I think that was back in 64. This uh, predates the Super Bowl. So, yeah, they have an NFL championship. They just don't have a Lombardi. Okay. So they had that going for them. But uh, Jim Brown, an amazing athlete. Uh, you know, some of the things about him is like he played 118 straight games, never missing a game. Led the league in rushing eight out of nine uh, seasons, and he retired at the age of 30. So he had he played a good chunk of time. I mean, he was, I think, got in the league at the age of 21 and did all this before the age of 30. Uh, so if, if he's not on your Mount Rushmore of running backs, then you really don't like football. There's no reason why we should be playing the game. Uh, but this uh, this does uh, lead to a little contention here, not necessarily because of Jim Brown's legacy of whatever, but uh, uh, Jim Ursay, the owner of my team, the Indianapolis Colts, uh, recently tweeted out his top five players of all time, and Jim Brown's is number one. Not upset about that. His number two is t Tom Brady. Not as upset about that as some would think. John Elway, Dinkin Jones, Reggie White round out his top five. All great players. None of these players played for Jim Irsay. There's one guy I'm thinking of that he could have uh, given mention to in this tweet as to why he has his brand new stadium and why he has Lombardi. Uh, and his name might be Peyton Manning, but that's, a, that's another subject altogether. Yeah, Jim's a douchebag, but uh, Jim Brown... A legend, and our condolences to his uh, family. I think he died right by his wife's side. 87. That's a pretty good run, run right there. All right, like I said, a uh, lot to get through. I've uh, been finding all sorts of things. By the way, if, um, uh, before I get into praising and critiquing both Guardians of the Galaxy 3, if you really think uh, superhero fatigue is real, or maybe you're just craving a good superhero yarn uh, because of all the problems HBO Max has been having with its content. Uh, somehow, uh, one of its properties, 
Justice League, the cartoon version, not the Zack Snyder one, but the animated one that uh, Cartoon Network did back in the early 2000s, it's on Netflix now. And to a lesser extent, it's sequel, Justice League Unlimited. But uh, first two seasons of Justice League, if you want to check it out, uh, really good comic book stuff. Highly recommend it. So yeah, me and the wife, uh, we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3 today. And uh, I was battling stomach ailments today. It was like, it's like a wheel of misfortune for me uh, with, with ailments this week. And it's not been a great weekend, but uh, I got through it uh, thanks to the help of toast and some Pepto tablets. Sat through this long-ass movie, two and a half hours to three hours long. Um, but uh, I loved it. I mean, it's not a perfect movie. There's a lot of things uh, to critique. Maybe the, the length, of course. Maybe giving too much. Uh, uh, maybe giving everybody too much limelight. Maybe too much. Maybe some of the uh, uh, awkward humor moments. Maybe the villain getting a little hammy at the end. Some of that stuff. But uh, compared to phases uh, five and six and whatever with Marvel and. Uh, some of the struggles they've had with Disney Plus. This is a great swan song for uh, James, uh, James Gunn, who uh, you know made a movie as a love letter to both these characters and the fans, and it's it's been nice to see in him and this movie do well uh, at the box office. It, it, Guardians Three almost like an underdog given all the Disney woes right now. It's 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 kind of weird because Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one when they were launching Marvel. Back in the day, uh, God, going back 2013 year, 2013, nobody knew crap about Guardians of the Galaxy, and it was kind of a surprise into the summer, and you have all this stuff going on with Marvel and with Disney, and people just getting the superhero fatigue, and it didn't make the projections the first weekend that everybody thought they would. Uh, it was only like $118, $114 million dollars. But the people that actually stuck it out went to the theater said, no, this movie's good. And so the drop-offs the following weekends have not been as bad, say, as uh, Quantum Mania, which has plummeted like a rock. So, I mean, uh, word of mouth on Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is is good. And it's good-ish. It's not great, but I love this movie, uh, despite its, its flaws. I love the fact that it just it looked like it was made by people that actually gave a shit about the characters and didn't CGI a giant head into a freaking movie that uh, nobody cared about. So uh, kudos to James Gunn and his crew. I mean, I know this is weeks late, but, uh, you know, family, life, all that stuff kind of keep me from saying that. And if uh, Disney Plus is still around here in the next few weeks, uh, it would be a most welcome addition to that platform. Because Disney's been sucking wind. I, I guess the big um, the big thing here is Disney is halting uh, this campus down in Orlando. This special thing that they were going to build. Because they're making cutbacks. And they were removed uh, 2,000 people from California to out there. And I've got people talking about Ron DeSantis and their war with uh, uh, him. And uh, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. Uh, because... If they could move uh, more blue staters to uh, Florida and and uh, tilt the tide, so to speak, in their favor, they would. But they aren't because they're hemorrhaging money. And case in point, uh, this Star Wars hotel, Galactic Cruiser thing that they opened last year is shutting down in September. 
And this thing has been uh, just a, a delightful thing to watch, you know, go down as a dumpster fire. Just the, It's Disney throwing money away at crap. Uh, for like two adults, two nights stay, $4,800. I mean, that's almost like uh, going into the parks for a week right there. And you're talking about a two night stay in this uh, fake spaceship. And it's supposed to be this experience. And uh, it, it's funny kind of watching the access media saying, uh, it'll set sail, it'll, uh, you know, cruise its last time in September. It, this thing never took off. If it did, it wouldn't be closing after a year. And it, to me, as, as a nerd, as, as a, a Star Wars fan, and I use that term loosely because I love the original trilogy, and when it comes to the prequels and the Disney stuff, I really love the original trilogy. Um, but I could not afford a $4,800 stay for two nights with me and my wife. What the hell else would we do? When would we eat again? Uh, you know, your typical Star Wars fan uh, has other things going on in their lives. Uh, you know, some of them actually have spouses. Some of them have kids. Some of them actually work jobs and pay bills. And you're expecting them to just dump all this money on this experience. $4,800 for a two-night stay. And this place is closing down after a year. I don't think that has anything to do with Ron DeSantis. I think that has everything to do with just Disney... Uh, they were basically making this hotel for the non-Star Wars fan. It was uh, basically the rich people who go, oh, look what we could do. But the rich people couldn't be bothered with it because it's not an actual nice hotel and they don't want to play Spaceman. That's just, that's how that is. All right, so talking about some of the uh, woes of Disney and I, I think this was earlier this week, last late last week, uh, there was a lawsuit uh, against Disney uh, claiming, uh, and it's from the investors, Claiming fraud with Disney Plus and uh, kind of a high the numbers game, and they were talking about uh, how they're going to be profitable by the end of 2023, going into 2024. They're losing um, uh, subscribers left and right, uh, and they're they Disney's really stingy with numbers for some odd reason when it comes to ratings. I think we kind of understand why. Because if they were great, they would be crowing about them. Uh, but they're not really releasing those numbers. And so investors feel like they're being defrauded. That's a very interesting lawsuit to keep an eye on. And you got to keep in mind, too, that right now, uh, Disney Plus is having a content purge. As is its sister streamer, Hulu. Uh, you know, and it's I, I think Comcast has a stake in Hulu, too. But they're uh, purging content now because it's expensive to keep it on there. And one of the shows that they have just recently gotten rid of is the brand new Willow show uh, that was that dropped back in November. It was supposed to be, you know, this follow-up to uh, the cult classic of, uh, of Ron Howard's back in the late 80s. It's kind of a Lord of the Rings knockoff. But uh, a lot of fans did not like the fact that it was woke. And a lot of them didn't like the fact that it was stupid. And Warwick Davis was just there for nostalgia's sake and to, you know, collect a paycheck. Um, you know, and I got to feel bad for him a little bit. But, uh, yeah, this, this show's only uh, been on the, uh, the streamer for six months. It was supposed to be this brand new piece of content, and it's gone. They're not streaming it anymore. That is not a good sign for uh, Disney+. Plus. So you have all that going on, and Guardians of the Galaxy 3... Uh, 
struggled for a bit, but it's actually successful. It's not a bomb. Uh, but uh, now that James Gunn is gone, uh, yeah, Marvel's just going to have issues left and right. Uh, and by the way, another little uh, thing about Disney Plus that I, uh, as a uh, Simpsons fan, and I'm, and by Simpsons I mean the first eight or nine seasons because a lot of the new episodes, I mean, they're all just basically shit. Um, uh, there was a, a clickbait article, and this is nothing new to me, but they're talking about how uh, because of the Finding Neverland documentary back in 2019 about Michael Jackson and uh, his proclivities and uh, what he was alleged to do, they still won't run uh, Stark Raving Dad on uh, Netflix, or not Netflix, Disney Plus, the uh, the episode where Homer's in a mental institution with this big white guy uh, who thinks he's Michael Jackson, and he's voiced by Michael Jackson. It's actually not a bad episode. This was actually uh, before all the controversy about uh, the sleepovers and whatnot. Um, but I, I just, they're basing their decision off of, well, you know, Fighting Neverland was con controversial. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, Michael Jackson's been dead for 15 years. This episode's 30 years old. And he was never actually convicted of a crime. I think he's freaky as F, but uh, he was never convicted. And these guys being judgmental as F, uh, you know, of all the things that uh, they're accused of doing with some of their movies, they're passing judgment on uh, on this episode. And, and I, I, let me clear the air about Michael Jackson, too. Um, I'm not the world's biggest fan of his personal life, okay? And yes, I find it very strange that he wanted young boys to come over and sleep at his big playground house. But uh, not to sound like the um, the concerned parent in the comment section of any website that asks where were the parents, but I'm going to be that guy. Where were the parents? Who was the mom and dad who were okay with, uh, with Junior going over and sleeping with a 40-year-old man? That should never have happened. And uh, how criminal charges weren't filed against the parents, I will never know. Uh, not to say that Michael Jackson's innocent either, but it's just, it, it always kind of just fascinated me that uh, here you have this grown ass man wanting kids to sleep over at his house, and the parents were cool with that? No way in hell. No way in hell. Okay. Oh, and uh, one last, well, I got two last bits here. Bad news for this. This is like, a, you know, piss down Disney leg, uh, Disney's leg version of the Mike Davidson Lives podcast here. Uh, the new Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny movie, uh, which comes out at the end of June, uh, it bowed at a con earlier this week. And uh, those who saw the critics, this is the critic rating, mind you. And you have to keep in mind that Access Media has a uh, uh, say in the reviews as well. Only 43% favorable on Rotten Tomatoes right now. To be fresh with critics, you have to be 60%. So it's not doing well with critics. God knows how well this is going to do with fans. To me, uh, Last Crusade was the end of the Indiana Jones saga. I could watch any one of those three movies. Yes, even with Kate Capshaw just screaming her ass off and being annoying in it. Alright, uh, the other... Uh, I promise, this is the last bad Disney story here. White Men Can't Jump, the reboot on Hulu, not doing well. Oh, that's a shocker. Uh, because you cast Jack Harlow in it, and you're expecting this thing to be good. You cannot 
with a straight t face tell me that uh, the, the the two guys they got doing the Woody Harrelson and uh, Wesley Snipes roles are as charismatic or have the same chemistry as those guys did. It was not a politically correct movie. It was it was a funny movie. It was you know there was a culture clash movie and it was a basketball movie, and it was written and directed by Ron Bull Durham Sheldon, who has uh, a little bit of experience when it comes to the sports movie genre, and you're hoping that your reboot reboot was going to be as successful. I just stop greenlighting this shit. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, quick shout out. John, uh, to Keanu Reeves, John Wick, the the French, the little franchise I could, four of these things, uh, you know, not that it's making the big Marvel movie money, but uh, even Marvel movies aren't making the big Marvel movie money anymore. But uh, the, overall, those four movies have crossed the one billion with a B, god darn dollars mark. So it is a big successful franchise. Another feather in the cap for Keanu Reeves. Who has quietly become kind of an icon uh, in his own right. I mean, and I don't use that term loosely. There's only a few people I would give that to. Like Denzel Washington, I would say, is an icon. You know, Tom Hanks, he's made a lot of shitty movies lately. But, I mean, you know, he, 90s he had a solid run, so I'd put him as iconic. Uh, who else would I say? Clint Eastwood, very iconic. Uh, Keanu Reeves in that stressor. I don't know if he's a, as a talented uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying he's like a Shakespearean actor, but he's a very well-liked guy. And he's fun to watch on screen. Unless you're Matthew Perry, then you're insanely jealous that he's actually had success. Alright, uh, more nerdy news. Uh, delving into the world of loss prevention in my home state here of Indiana. Just actually west of my uh, former hometown of Indianapolis, Brownsburg. Uh, I believe the place is called Valkyrie's Vault. They actually have a vault in there with some valuable stuff. And uh, according to the story from uh, Fox 59 out of the uh, out of the city there, uh, just a few days back, Magic the Gathering that was a thing in high school with me. Uh, not with me personally. I'd never gotten to Magic. I was more of a comic book guy. But uh, Magic the Gathering uh, has been around for a long time now, and it's still um, God's fans, still God's players. Uh, they had in this vault. Uh, 1,600 Magic cards worth about $15,000 total. So there's some value to them. All stolen by somebody. And it, I don't think it's a meth head because all the copper fittings in the building are still there. I think it's a, it's kind of a targeted thing, so to speak. Um, uh, the, and that's what the cops are saying. Like They're saying that uh, whoever did this knew what they were doing. So I'm wondering if this was a former employee or a current employee who knows a guy who can do this sort of thing, or just a, a very zealous player who wanted to get back at them. I mean, it had to be somebody that frequented the store. And that kind of sucks um, when you're doing business with people day in, day out. You're a small business person, and especially when you're dealing with things that can be collectibles. Sorry, I'm getting a little sore, um, a little dry throat here. But, you know, you, especially in an in, uh, industry like comic books and gaming where uh, there's some struggle with the, these shops. And here somebody comes in and breaks into the store. And, and Brownsburg is not a bad burg. It's a, it's a pretty decent, uh, affluent community. And something like this happens. And, of course, it's just outside of Indy. It, it's kind of interesting. Um, but $15,000 worth of stuff out of that vault uh i i gotta imagine that's pretty hard to move now that uh 
people know that it's missing. That's going to be a story worth watching here. Speaking of uh, loss prevention and a losing money target, last week reported that this year uh, in loss prevention, they could lose $1.3 billion. And this, and they've already lost a bunch of money in terms of this. I mean, they're 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 making a, a decent amount of money. Target is, but their profits are rising barely. Uh, I think last quarter they only like rose one percent. But like, and the way it sounds, because I, I had somebody tell me this, you know, before that, you know, grocery stores, the profit margin is thin because you deal with a lot of spoilage. You deal with a lot of things. You know, a department store, you, you wouldn't think that'd be so much a problem. I mean, moving some merchandise after a while, yeah, you got to put in clearance. But, you know, you have these big cities where crime becomes more prevalent. Um, you know, the, in San Francisco, Target is still there for now. But uh, I, I remember talking about my podcast a couple weeks back, how, like, they have some toiletries behind glass casing. And, I, you know, I'm wondering how... I'm wondering aloud, you know, when are they going to just say, you know what, it's cheaper for us just to close up shop in these cities rather than make it a, you know, a hassle to go and buy shampoo. $1.3 billion in stolen merchandise this year. That is the projection. This could be higher. And Walmart is facing similar things. A lot of big brand name department stores and uh, shopping outlets are facing this. And I know that they're facing this in the larger cities. And, of course, it's not, it, you know, the, the smaller communities are not as immune. I mean, it's more it's more likely to happen in densely populated areas. But as I just pointed out with Brownsburg, I mean, theft can happen anywhere. But it is a, uh, it's a crazy world. All right. Quick Bud Light update because uh, we all love Bud Light. We all love beer. <laughs> And uh, they're having a Disney-esque kind of year. Uh, They've been having a year for like the last six weeks uh, when uh, Dylan Mulvaney went viral during uh, March Madness. And, well, a lot of people stopped drinking the product. And now uh, the marketing there, well, first off, there's still a ton of Bud Light that they're not selling. So they have to go back to these stores and distributors and buy back all the expired beer. So this is going to be a, a big hit for them when they have to buy back their product. A product that even if there was no controversy behind it, it's now expired. And nobody likes drinking skunk beer. Uh, it's, it's ugh, no. So they got that going on. Uh, and now they're trying to make the desperate attempt to uh, ingratiate with themselves with a more masculine crowd you know dudes uh you know the people that drink the beer so their advertising is now going to reflect you know country music football you know working and all that stuff that is they still haven't said that they're going to get rid of uh, the marketing genius uh who railed against fratty culture uh and who thought it'd be a good idea to have dylan mulvaney endorse the product uh there's been no word of that so i don't know what lessons are learned but jesus i mean it's it's almost like that freddie money was never bad to have to begin with yeah how about that uh rather than appreciate what you got 
And rather than keep your politics at home and use the money you make from this culture that you kind of roll your eyes at and make donations for behind their back, you decide to come forward and pretty much say F you and it's kind of cost you. So, uh, it, <laughs> yeah, they're, they are uh, kind of backsliding here. Um, I don't know if they will ever really recover what they lost. I just know that they didn't get that progressive push from people that lauded the commercial because the people that lauded that commercial were probably drinking something a little more highbrow or probably drinking a White Claw. That's that's my theory on that. Uh, but Bud Light is uh, just begging and pleading people to please come back and drink their, their watered-down beer. <laughs> come back, Freddy C Culture. All is forgiven. Will you love us again? All right. Uh, so we talked about, was it last last podcast we talked about this? There's a proposal from the USDA about uh, banning chocolate milk in schools. I think I, off the top of my head, 2025, 20, 2026, 20, because they want to you know, fight childhood obesity. I'm not so sure it's the chocolate milk. I think there's some other things in play, like uh, bad dietary habits at home. But whatever, we're just we're going to virtue signal. They said this, and now uh, the fact checkers on new on news websites and on social media for these news organizations are saying, no, the USDA isn't banning chocolate milk. Like you're an idiot for reading this story. Uh, they're saying that it's just a proposal. Well, yeah, I said it was just a proposal, and I said it was a stupid-ass proposal. And I think a lot of people would agree. Chocolate milk is not necessarily terrible for a kid. A carton of chocolate milk a day is not going to make them 50 pounds overweight. Maybe drinking three sodas a day and watching eight hours of YouTube might make them overweight. It's not the chocolate milk. But uh, it's kind of like uh, the whole gas stove thing, uh, where they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not taking away your gas stoves. That's a conspiracy theory. Why would you believe all that fake news and misinformation online? We're not going to ban gas stoves. And then, voila, you have New York State ban gas stove fixtures. Well, we're not banning your stove. No, but if you wanted to move to a new house in New York State, you'd have to leave your gas range behind. So, I mean, it's kind of a whatever-in-your-face type of thing. And I, I think it's kind of a bullshit move, but hey, it's politicians lying to you. And I think that they will do something similar uh, with uh, with the chocolate milk thing. Like, oh, no, 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 we're not banning it. But uh, you might see some uh, school districts self-do this. And there might be some motivation. There might be some government money behind it. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. And then, yeah, I can't wait to get into the discussion of whether or not bugs should be on a school menu chances are they already are because the lot of school cafeterias aren't all that clean oh um real quick uh congratulations uh it kind of a bittersweet congratulations to the food fighters uh they are on the road they got a new album out and uh they do have a new drummer uh joining their midst and i, I don't know about the approach of announcing the drummer like they did so they had kind of a light-hearted video introduce him where uh, they were teasing maybe Chad Smith or uh, Tommy Lee or uh, Dana Carey of Tool as being the new drummer for Foo Fighters. And all, well, maybe not Tommy Lee, but 
you know, they're all accomplished. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a serious thing. But uh, they're letting uh, Josh Freese take the kid. He's a veteran guy, uh, 50 years old. He's been at it for quite a bit. And uh, he's a very well-respected session guitarist. Uh, some of the bands he's played with include Guns N' Roses, A Perfect Circle, Puddle of Mud, Nine Nails, Weezer, Paramore, The Replacement, Sting, and The Vandals, Danny Elfman, and uh, Offspring. He was drum. He's drummed for yeah. He's drummed for all those musical acts, um, and he's very well respected. So it looks like they got somebody. Uh, to, to keep the beat going for the band. It's, it's going to be kind of hard, though, to fill the shoes of Taylor Hawkins because Taylor Hawkins was just... I saw him live. Fun to watch. Fun-loving guy. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a Metallica situation where uh, you know Cliff dies and Jason Newstead gets bullied. I think the Foo Fighters are a little more down-to-earth and uh, Lars Ulrich isn't in the band, so... Happy touring. Hope things go well for him this summer. And uh, of course, we're just days away from the unofficial kickoff this summer. And I can't wait. All right. Until next time, you know, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 